And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Good morning and welcome to the second best day of the week. That's right. It's Thursday. It's The Real Investment Show. Thanks for joining us this morning. Michael Leibowitz be joining me here in a few minutes to talk about the Fed yesterday, of course, hiking another 75 basis points and, uh, you know, then uttering the magic words, apparently, because the market surged. NASDAQ over 4% yesterday. Um, the S&P 500 breaking above 4,000 now. That is actually starting to push the, the market back into very bullish territory. And again, we continue to watch this very bullish trend that we've been talking about now for the last several weeks. And this has continued to go on. We talked about uh, over the last two days that we needed a successful retest. We retested the 50-day moving average yesterday. We said, well, what we need is, is a follow-through day that gets us above these previous tops. Exactly what happened yesterday. Big surge day after the Fed announcement. And so this has now put the market into a pain trade situation. Too many investment managers, too short equities, markets going up, fear of underperformance. And as I've said before here on the show, it's no longer the fear of missing out on the rally. It's the fear of missing out on the bottom when the Fed pivots. So we'll talk about that this morning as well. But also, too, other news uh, kind of moving markets this morning. Yesterday, uh, Senator Manchin has come to an agreement with Chuck Schumer over a potential new spending bill for the economy. Now, this is going to be somewhere around $400 billion for this bill, and it'll be paid out over 10 years. So it's about $40 billion of investment over 10 years. But part of that is to be paid for by putting a minimum tax on companies uh, over a million dollars of 15%. So that's going to impact a lot of businesses around the country because there's a lot of companies that are over a million dollars. So, um, but again, this corporate minimum income tax is uh, something that is going to be kind of heavily debated here over the course of the next several weeks, uh, particularly as we move into midterms. Hiking taxes on businesses probably isn't a great idea just prior to a midterm. Uh, we'll see how this goes, but with Manchin's support, now very interesting to remember, uh, Senator Joe Manchin was very much against the Build Back Better plan previously. Says too much debt, too much deficits, this is all going to you know, be passed on to our kids. Um, he had become kind of a, a conservative hero, right? Despite the fact that he's a Democrat um, senator, he actually became a hero of the conservatives, at least for a while here. Um, now kind of backing off that stance a bit. Don't know why. Not He hasn't really given any reasons. But instead of the Build Back Better plan being this $3 trillion plan kind of shoved down the, the throats of Americans, it's now going to be spoon-fed to you $400 billion at a time. <laughs> so we'll see. we'll see how this works out. But again... Uh, that's more government spending. And what's interesting is more government spending, which is what got us into this inflation mess to start with, is now called the inflation fighting plan. So this is going to be <laughs> the idea that the government can spend money uh, to lower prescription drug benefits and, and those type of things. Don't know exactly how that's going to do that. Uh, fund the Affordable Care Act, which is uh, very inflationary within the overall economy because it's a very expensive plan. Um, and also, too, funding clean energy initiatives, which are also inflationary. So all of this is very inflationary uh, in, in, in its very form. But again, government spending in and of itself, as we have seen, 
uh, is also inflationary. So again, you know, while they're hoping that this will help quell some inflation, and it'll actually work out because, right, they're going to spend this money uh, at a time where you know, inflation is already going to start to peak on a year-over-year basis. So they can say, yeah, see, look, it's bringing down inflation, but really it'll have nothing to do with that. It'll be a function of math and how math works over time. Um, but besides that, again, earnings still coming out. Earnings season has been very supportive for stocks because earnings are not as bad as expected. Um, we saw this with Microsoft and Google uh, just recently. We also just saw it here with Netflix uh, talking about, well, they only lost a million subscribers versus two million. Uh, so again, not as bad as expected, and that's giving a little bit of lift here to stocks as well as markets continue to try to drag up off these recent lows and, and put a, a more lasting bottom in for the markets. This morning, a very interesting kind of note, Comcast reporting earnings, uh, talking about this is one of their best quarters ever on record, right, for uh, subscriptions because again uh, you know what they're seeing on a year-over-year -year basis and they're saying look you know subscriber growth is basically flat on a year-over-year -year basis one of the best quarter twos they've had but that's because of the pull forward of pandemic but here's what's interesting about this remember that whole thing uh, a few years ago about cutting the cord and get ridding, uh, getting rid of cable <clears throat> well apparently people are cutting the cutting the cord and they're getting rid of subscription services and going back to cable <laughs> because all these subscription services all added up to be a lot more than your cable bundle, which is what actually happened. Uh, again, you know, now that you know, through Comcast, you subscribe to Comcast, get most of your programs bundled into one price that you want, it's actually turning out better and cheaper than all these other subscriptions that you get. So again, Comcast reporting earnings. Now the stock's gonna be down a little bit this morning, but actually being on revenue and estimates, um, you know, but uh, again, kind of the, this market is still starting to kind of pick through some of these forward guidances and kind of what's talking, trying to price in uh, impact of growth. So stock will be down a little bit this morning, but again, this is a, 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 you know, kind of showing this transition within the economy as well. You know, people are starting to focus on where they're spending money and making choices here to, you know, migrate to places that where they can save more money and still get the services that they want. And this is uh, just simply a function of where we are economically. So again, you know, uh, looking back to the market here real quick this morning, uh, markets did break above that those tops yesterday. So we now have broken above overhead resistance. This is good news. As we talked about yesterday, that puts into target these previous tops that we had here back in early June. That's right around 4150, 4160 on the S&P 500. So again, still some decent upside here over the course of the next few days, uh, next week or so. So again, it looks like the market's going to try to push higher here. Now, historically, though, after the fourth Fed rate hike, and we're going to talk some more about this in this weekend's newsletter, it's also in today's commentary that's on the website right now at realinvestmentadvice.com. I just posted a few minutes ago. Simply go by the website, click on the daily commentary link right there on the homepage, uh, get today's daily commentary, which is talking about the fact that after fourth, the fourth Fed rate hike, and again, one of the interesting uh, things here, Fed talking about potentially a pause at some point, um, that has typically been just prior to the recession. So we talk about recessionary trends within the economy, talking about a lot of this economic data showing potential for, for um, a recession. And this is about where the, the market or the Fed normally pauses just before the recession starts, then they start cutting rates. So this is all kind of playing out very much to history and what we would expect. Now, remember also that while stocks may rally here uh, 
for a while and couldn't be a very strong rally as we've talked about before. Too many people off sides, too many portfolio managers, short equity, fear of missing out on the rally. Uh, the issue is, is that when the recession actually sets in, and that tends to be about another six to eight months from, from where we are currently, then that's where markets again decline and begin to reprice valuations. So again, just something to pay attention to as we go forward. Again, very bullish action here short term. Upside is probably where markets are going to short term, at least on a technical basis. Pain trade here is higher, but again, got to look forward to as well as to what's going on economically and how that's going to feed in to the markets and the economy. Okay, quick break. We'll come back. Got a lot of stuff to get into with the Fed yesterday, what they said, what they didn't say, what the market heard, what the market should have heard, all that coming up with Michael Leibowitz here in just a moment, right here on The Real Investment Show. Get by the website, as I said, get our daily commentary. That's out this morning, realinvestmentadvice.com. Be right back. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Inflation touches every aspect of your life. No one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation. RIA Advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan, and we're sharing it with you at a special summer lunch and learn, Thursday, August 4th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's no magic elixir against inflation. Our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects. Register today at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. It is 617. Uh, Michael Leibowitz joining me this morning. Just to, you know, kind of just hit a highlight here for a moment. You know, headline this morning, it's up on the hill. Let's say actually that's uh, not this morning. It's yesterday. Uh, yesterday, very late, late 1137 p.m. Eastern time last night. Headline on the Hill this morning reads, Pelosi's husband sells off $5 million worth of chipmaker stock ahead of semiconductor bill vote. Um, this is interesting because, you know, they just bought a bunch of, uh, they bought $8 million worth of options on uh, NVIDIA here because of the semiconductor bill passage. Of course, that stock had a huge rally yesterday, and it actually has been rallying for a couple of days because of this idea that there's going to be this $52 billion, uh, you know, package passed to help support uh, semiconductor uh, development here in the United States, right? Kind of bring home manufacturing. But there's also another $200 billion for long-term research and development on top of that as well. So it's a big bill. Um, what's interesting is, is now it's become an open joke kind of in the financial markets that if you want to trade your portfolio, just follow what Nancy Pelosi does. Now, <laughs> this is insider trading, pure and simple. She has inside information about what the government is going to do. And of course, she's selling off, you know, uh, stock on, on semiconductor bill, maybe the bill's not going to pass now, right? Maybe this is, you know, maybe this is the headline vote. Um, 
but it's become an open joke that, you know, Congress inside trades. Now, we don't have this capability. If Mike and I went out and we knew that Congress was about to pass a bill and we went and bought a bunch of stock, or if we knew something inside information of the company, right, NVIDIA is about to come out with boomer earnings, right, we're the only people that have it, Mike and I go buy a bunch of stock, that's called insider trading because I'm trading on information that is material and non-public, right? And by doing that, I will have a couple of penalties for that. Namely, I'll have to be, I'll have to give back my gains, right? So that'll be the first part of it. Second part of it is I'll probably pay a very hefty fine of it and go to jail. As <laughs> um, has happened before. You might remember Martha Stewart actually went to prison. I don't know if you call it, well, Club Fed, where she went. Um, she looked good in an orange jumpsuit, by the way. Um, but she went to Club Fed and, you know, spent some time there because of insider trading. And, and her insider trading was negligibly insider trading. You know, there wasn't real clear evidence in, in really across the board that she, you know, was insider trading. But she got nails for it anyway and went to jail. Okay. But Nancy Pelosi is an open joke now among the financial markets. I mean, there's whole memes dedicated to Nancy Pelosi and insider trading. And it's okay because she's in Congress. Okay, I got that ran off my chest this morning. Michael, well, well, I think, welcome to I the think show this morning. I think what Slant says, she's actually flaunting it. Yeah. Right? This has been in the press, the media, for over a year now about how she's doing this. Uh-huh. And then she buys NVIDIA, and next thing you know, there's a big semiconductor bill on the Hill. Yeah. Well, and look, you know, we just went through an investigation uh, with two of the Fed Federal Reserve members that were buying and selling and liquidating securities ahead of, you know, potential changes to Fed policy. And, and of course, there was a big hubbub on that. And there was a big, <laughs> there was, a, of course, the big Federal Reserve uh, investigated these Fed members and then, of course, found no wrongdoing at all. They've, they're completely fine. But, you know, it's just become, it's just become kind of an open reality now for the individual kind of investor that the game's rigged. I mean, if you're either super wealthy on Wall Street or you're in Congress or some position of the Fed, it's completely okay for you to inside trade. I mean, this is a very simple fix, Mike. All we have to do is to say, look, if you're in a position uh, in the government, in the Federal Reserve, and this happens at a, a lot of, of, you know, kind of Wall Street firms as well. You know, if you're in one of these positions where you have regular dated access to inside information, you can, you can only invest your money in U.S. Treasuries. You shouldn't be allowed to invest in the stock market if you have this material inside information. They go, well, you know, we could put it into a blind trust and the trust manager is going to make those decisions and you won't have access. But all you got to do is call the trust manager up and say, you know, <laughs> hey, Mike, you're my trust manager. Mike, uh, don't tell anybody, but uh, go buy a bunch of NVIDIA for me. Right. You know, so it's just, you know, you've got it. It's a very simple fix. Look, if you're in a position of power or authority, you put your money into treasuries while you're in office and. When you come out of office, do whatever you want. But while you're in office, you know, you you, you can't invest in the stock market. And it seems like a pretty easy fix to me. Someone once told me that if you want to know why anything in this world happens, <laughs> it's because of money. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is absolutely that. Okay. All right. Rant's over for the morning. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> I may rant again once we get into talking about the Fed here. So, <laughs> so, all right, quick update from yesterday. Um, obviously, the big news, as I was talking about this morning, the Federal Reserve came out 
um, yesterday. And, and basically, you know, they hiked rates 75 basis points, exactly was expected. Um, two of the interesting notes, I guess, out of, you know, you know, out of the meeting. And again, there was really not much of a change to the meeting. There was a couple of small little word tweaks. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into those here in a second. But probably two of the most significant, I guess, changes was, one, the Fed decided to stop giving forward guidance. Now, what does that mean? So forward guidance is where they'd say, you know, we're monitoring employment. Employment looks good here. It's strong, but we're monitoring it, and, and we're focused on inflation right now and, and kind of in, and giving these kind of, uh, you know, kind of guidances that, you know, the next meeting they're going to continue to hike rates at 50 basis points or 75 basis points or whatever. And so the markets are now have been trading off this, like this forward guidance. And so it's been picking up a lot of volatility in the markets. And so now the Fed's saying, well, we're not going to give you the forward guidance to trade off of. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's good or bad. We'll find out how the markets react to that. Um, the only other, you know, kind of interesting news, Mike, was, you know, the kind of the shift in focus on inflation. I, I thought, you know, as, as you and I kind of discussed yesterday after the meeting, you know, he kind of tailored the inflation focus kind of away from their normal kind of PCE and energy focus on inflation to food prices. thought that was kind of an interesting shift. He also, during his press conference, focused a little bit more on CPI versus PCE, which CPI tends to run a little higher than PCE. Mm -hmm. The Fed likes PCE. Even during a meeting, he said they prefer PCE. But he did say that CPI is what consumers pay and that they're paying a lot more attention to that. And they, like you said, Lance, in this Fed statement, they so what they do is they revise the Fed statement. They take last uh, the last meeting Fed statement and they change, you know, anywhere from five words to 30 words. And uh, in our daily commentary today, we provide a red line edition where we show what it did say and what it does say. And one of the interesting things was last uh, the last statement, it said something to the effect that higher energy prices are uh, are one of the inflation problems. This time, he said food and energy prices. So he's clear. So he's so he's clearly what he's clearly getting at is how inflation affects the consumer. And, you know, I think some of that has to do with the upcoming elections. Um, but it is showing that they do, uh, you know, I think for the first time, this isn't just a theoretical uh, textbook inflation and we're not going to count food and energy or any of the things that we use in life. Mm -hmm. We're just going to use our model inflation, our PCE inflation, excluding food and energy. Now, I think there's finally some admittance that food and energy prices are a big problem and it's it's what we spend a lot of our money on. Yeah. And, you know, I guess the, the question, though, is, is and I guess, you know, uh, you know, as we're talking about inflation, of course, you know, the inflation focus. And again, you know, when the Fed looks at inflation, they look at PCE and they look at specifically trimmed median PCE. Right. The, the question is, you know, by changing their focus on the food prices, which tend to be a little bit more sticky. I mean, once you start getting inflation into food prices, it tends to be a little bit more sticky than kind of a broader measure of, of inflation. And that may actually push them into, you know, another corner, which is if they're focusing on food and energy prices now, and instead of stripping those out and, and you know, discounting those to a degree because of normal volatility, now they may be focusing on inflation that even though we see inflation coming down economically, 
they keep saying, well, no, inflation is too high. And so they keep hiking rates. And again, you know, the problem is they keep hiking rates until they break something. That's that's the big risk. Right. So, you know, you know, will this kind of shift in inflation focus cause them problems down the road of being overly aggressive in terms of hiking interest rates and they cause other problems in the economy? Right. And it may trip them up even this time if we get, you know, droughts or we get a hurricane that affects mm-hmm. crude prices. I mean, all kinds of non non typical demand things can happen to the supply of food and energy that can cause them to shoot much higher or drop significantly. So there's a re- the reason they don't like food and energy in their inflation numbers, because they are volatile uh, and you know, they can go up a lot, they can go down a lot, but now they're almost, they're, they're starting to tie their boat to volatility in food and energy. So, you know, they may be thinking that, well, look, food and energy prices have started coming down. Maybe if we tell everyone that that's what we care about now, they'll think that inflation is coming down, but they can just as easily go up. And like we've seen crude, crude is now, crude oil hit about 90 bucks a barrel. It's back closer to a hundred. So, mm-hmm. You know, that's a 10 percent rise, which will eventually work its way into the inflation numbers again. Right. Well, and again, this is this is going to be interesting now. You know, when we come back from the break, you know, I want to talk, you know, kind of shift the focus and talk specifically, you know, the Fed, the, the market liked the Fed announcement yesterday. Um, after the Fed meeting, of course, they came out, they announced the 75 basis point hike. Um, Chairman Powell starts having his conference. He utters about three little words and the market goes off on a rampant tear. NASDAQ finishing up 4% today, uh, 4% yesterday on this idea. Um, futures are kind of flattish this morning, holding on to those gains. So, um, you know, what did he say and what did it mean and what typically happens from here? So we'll come back and talk about the pain trade, come back after the break. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com inflation touches every aspect of your life no one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation ria advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan and we're sharing it with you in a special summer lunch and learn thursday august 4th at noon register now at realinvestmentadvice.com there's no magic elixir against inflation our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects register today at realinvestmentadvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to the Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Mike Waybush joining me this morning. So the pain trade is higher, at least uh, momentarily, as stocks uh, rallied sharply yesterday following the Fed meeting. And it was interesting because, you know, before the meeting, Everybody's kind of questioning, you know, what was the Fed going to say? Everybody's kind of taking odds. The markets were very split. And of course, you know, one camp says, well, if they stop, you know, if they if they talk about a pivot, then that's going to be terrible for stocks because 
that means that they're no longer focused on inflation and you know that's going to send everything kind of in a tumble and then the other side of the camp said well if they hike rates then that's bad for stocks because they're hiking rates and it's tightening policy and that's going to be bad for the economy so they kind of the market very split onto what the outcome was and what what the what the situation would be but again, as we talked about earlier, um, the kind of shock news yesterday, I guess, for the markets was two things. First and foremost was that, as noted, he said that they're going to start to pull forward guidance. So they'll no longer provide that forward guidance for the markets to trade on. Um, but then also he said in one sentence, and this is what sent the market screaming higher, pace of rate hikes to depend on incoming data, which the markets took to mean as a more dovish tilt that if inflation data comes in, starts to get weaker, if we start to see economic growth stabilizing, et cetera, then that means that the Fed will likely pause their rate hikes sooner rather than later. And of course, that means that if they're going to pause their rate hikes, the next thing to come up is rate cuts and you need to buy stocks. So everybody, fear of missing out. And of course, with everybody on the wrong side of the trade, fund managers, extremely light equity exposure. Uh, consumers have a very negative outlook for equities. That is a typically a bullish sign when everybody is negative. Investor sentiment is very negative across the board. Technical indicators are negative across the board. So again, when you start to look at all these factors, you have this situation set up for a reversal in the markets. And this is the so-called pain trade, which is now... Uh, short fund managers are having to deal with this morning and yesterday, and it's not a very good place to be in. So with that, Mike, welcome to the show back. Well, actually, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. And uh, so, yeah, your takeaway from the meeting yesterday is it's uh, first of all, just kind of your general observation. Well, so the Fed statement came out and I read that statement without looking at markets or, or reading any commentary. And the statement read to me very similar to the prior statement. Listening to Powell speak, his tone is really not changing. Um, I think the market and a couple days ago, Microsoft and Google had earnings. Both were less than expected. Both rallied pretty sharply on on the bad news wasn't as bad as it should have been. So the market coming into the meeting was sort of in bullish mode. You know, the million dollar question is, is it is the bottom in or is this just a uh, a bear market bounce uh, reflexive rally and to work off some oversold conditions? But the market came in wanting to hear good news. So the market heard what it wanted to hear, that the Fed is closer to the end game than it was when it started. But that's obvious, right? Every time the Fed does something, they're getting closer to the point they're stopping. Um, I think what really drove the market was when he said, we're going to take rate hikes meeting by meeting. We're going to be data dependent. Data dependent means a whole lot of things. It means they're still looking at inflation and that they will just keep raising rates. It means that they're going to start focusing on employment more. So if the unemployment claims keep rising, maybe they'll back off a little. But he really didn't say anything, both in his speech and in a statement that that changed what we knew two weeks ago. Now, to me, there were kind of two things worth paying attention to, the stock market and the bond market. So the stock market had a really nice rally yesterday. The bond market was up uh, before the meeting and it gave back its gains. It closed slightly lower, um, but it didn't get destroyed. This morning, 
bond yields are rising. So if you kind of look at the combination of stock and bond markets, the bond market's starting to whisper. It's not yelling, but it's whispering, Fed, you better keep paying attention to inflation. And the stock market's saying, you know what, they're getting closer to the end game. They're going to pivot. They're going to be dropping rates. So I think over the next few months, the question that we're all going to have to answer is, we, we all know the Fed's going to get to a point and they're going to stall, right? Whether that's 3%, 3.5% or more, that's debatable. The question is going to be, how long are they going to stall before they truly pivot and lower rates? And you can go back and look through history. That period can range from very short to well over a year. So a lot of this is dependent on inflation and on the economy. Um, tough part with inflation, especially CPI, is it's going to be hard for it to materially drop over the next few months, not because of what's happening today, but because of what happened a year ago. And you're, you have some very low numbers that are still in the CPI calculation. Mm -hmm. So there's 12 months worth of CPI numbers. And when we go back and we look at a year ago, when we go back and look at August, that was a low number. We're going to be stripping out a low number from the average and adding a higher number. So just that combination raises the year-over-year -year CPI rate. So over the next few months, it's going to be tough for CPI year-over-year -year to come material, materially down. But the month-over-month -month number, I think, is the one that will garner the market's attention. And if we start seeing month-over-month -month changes of 0 0.3, 0 0.4, you know, which you can do the math. If if you annualize that, you get to 3.6, 4.8%. That may make the Fed feel a little better, may make the market mm -hmm. feel a little better, and we can get some more juice out of this rally. But to me, I guess the question is, is this a bounce or is this the real thing? And you can't discount either one. Mm -hmm. um, the fear of missing out is very strong. And even if this is a bounce, it can be a very significant bounce. Right. Well, and again, you know, kind of it was it was interesting because, you know, what the as you know as we were kind of watching the Fed meeting, you know, kind of unfold, and of course, then the you and I had spoken just before he started the presser, and then once in the, he was in the presser, you know, he says, you know, these rate hikes are going to be, you know, depend on incoming data, um, but then he kind of confirmed that it'd be likely appropriate to slow increases at some point, and and again, you know, that's that's also you know kind of a known, right? I mean, it, it, they just can't keep hiking at seventy five basis points forever. You know they've got to at some point they're going to stop or slow down or or or, or be reduced. So it seems kind of logical that yes, at some point you know Fed's obviously going to slow down the the rate of rate hikes, but the market kind of took this as the second coming of Christ and <laughs> all of a sudden started jumping in. But again, you know the problem is is that there's so many managers that are very short equities um, or don't have or just simply underweight equities to a large degree. And, you know, this really comes down to a matter of performance. Um, you know, uh, you know, by the end of the year, they can't have a big underperformance of, of equities. And so they've got to, you know, they've got all this cash there, you know, sitting on their books that they've got to get invested. And again, a lot of retail investors have been, you know, again, I've never seen a, you know, this has been a very interesting kind of bear market that we've been in, even though we're not in a bear market. Um, we're still in a correction. 
You know, it's been interesting because normally when you have six months worth of just kind of drubbing in stocks, investors really don't want much to do with stocks. But this time around, it's like, well, when do I buy? You know, when when's the time to put money in? I don't want to miss the bottom. As we've talked about before, you know, this is no longer a fear of missing out on the rally. It's a fear of missing out on the bottom. And that's going to be kind of the the interesting change, because, again, the Fed has trained individual investors now for 12 years to, you know, buy the dip. And, you know, if the Fed's going to pivot and start to, you know, potentially stop hiking rates, which also means that if they stop hiking rates, the next leg is going to be reducing rates again, then I certainly want to be in advance of that, um, you know, in, in terms of the stock side. And so we saw a lot of move back into risk assets yesterday, a lot of the beaten down stocks that, you know, kind of the archetype stocks we've talked about before here on the show, Block, Shopify, you know, Shopify had terrible earnings. Stock was up almost 7% yesterday. So, you know, it was just, you know, this immediate kind of rush back into those high risk assets that, you know, uh, you know, potentially can make the biggest gains in the shortest amount of time. And, and I think what's interesting, and some Fed members have said this, that it, kind of between the lines, but they're comfortable. They have been comfortable with the stock market decline, taking some of some of the froth out of the market, bringing valuations back a little bit more towards normal levels. And it, there is a disinflationary effect as stock prices go down. The wealth wealth drops. Mm -hmm. So as stock prices start rising, the Fed that becomes a little bit of an inflationary tailwind. So that's another thing that I think the Fed liked interest rates going up and they like stocks going down and they like them going up and down in uh, orderly fashion. But, you know, interest rates have come down yesterday, so that does less to slow demand up and stock prices have been rising lately. Not not a ton, but they are rising, which adds to the wealth effect. Mm. So it, it's kind of an interesting conundrum. The Fed, I don't think the Fed really put themselves in these shoes, but investors are putting the Fed in those shoes. Right. Well, and again, you know, uh, you know the Fed has to also realize that, you know, it, it, at some point, you know, these kind of open, you know, pushes into the markets, you know, monetary liquidity, et cetera. And it, and it is interesting, you know, the market's rallying. The Fed's still hiking interest rates by 75 basis points. They're still tightening their balance sheet. There was, you know, there was no real discussion about all of a sudden they're going to reduce their quantitative tightening and, and start to go back into quantitative easing, which is what actually puts fuel into the markets. Um, you know, despite that, I mean, the, the market's already gearing up for this change is already going to occur. We're, we're going to go back to the accommodative era. And, you know, I've got to be long risk assets. And it's just kind of an interesting psychology that's been built into the markets. But yet the Fed really hasn't changed their tone. And we'll see what happens. Again, you know, the big risk is a recession and what happens to earnings growth there. So we'll talk about that some more. We'll talk about earnings and earnings growth and come back from break. Lots of earnings today. Apple and Amazon report today as well. Don't go away. Be right back. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com inflation touches every aspect of your life no one can avoid it because we're living in an inflation nation ria advisors has a nine-step inflation battle plan and we're sharing it with you at a special summer lunch and learn thursday august 4th at noon register now at realinvestmentadvice.com there's no magic elixir against inflation our nine-step plan can help you blunt inflation's effects register today at realinvestmentadvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com the real investment show. 
So as I said, just for the break, earnings are coming in fast and furious. Over the, the rest of this week and next week, we're going to have about 80% of the S&P 500 reporting earnings. And if you, if you uh, download our daily update, if you subscribe to it, if you go to our website, realinvestmentadvice.com, subscribe to our daily update, um, we post a list every morning of what stocks are going to be reporting earnings before and after the bell, estimates, those type of things. Um, so that's there. So simply just go to the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Just click on the daily commentary link right there on the homepage. And, you know, while, and the daily commentary will come up. You can read it. And on the right-hand side is a banner. You can subscribe to it. And it's a free email every morning. comes right to your inbox. And uh, so you can join the thousands of other readers that read it every morning and get their investing day prepped and ready to go. But this morning, um, or today, I should say, both pre-bell and, and post-bell, Got a lot, again, a lot more earnings coming in. Big companies uh, reporting today, Apple, Amazon in particular. Um, you know, Apple's going to be one to watch. That's a, you know, kind of a consumer, even though it's in the technology space, it's really more of a consumer. I'm, 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 I'm going to put it in the consumer staple place because I don't know anybody that can't live without their damn phone anymore. So, you know, it's like, got to have your phone. Mike, what kind of phone you got in front of you right there? An Apple. Then Apple. What See, else? exactly. What, I mean, what else? What do you mean? You're what the else? only one with. You're the only one with the what else? I am not either. Brent, you know. Brent Clanton over here has a <laughs> Samsung. Anyway, um, you know, you know, Android actually has more cell phones out there than Apple. Anyway, hi, this anyway. is Charlie K. Dow. Anyway, I don't know why. The problem is, the problem is, once you get one, it's hard to switch because yeah. of all the apps and all the stuff you accumulate on your phone. I know. That's, that's I know. right. Yeah, it's true. Um, but so, but they're they're more of a consumer. You know, I really like I said, even though they're a technology stock, and technically they they, you know, kind of sit in the technology space. It's really more of a consumer staple than anything else. Because again, people just have to have it. Um, Amazon's going to be the other interesting side of this because that's on the consumer discretionary side. So again, this is going to be kind of an interesting set of announcements coming out today. You know, can I live without my Apple phone? Right. So what do consumers say about Apple in terms of earnings? Are their earnings growth staying, you know, relatively consistent? Are people upgrading their phones? Are they buying the new phones? You know, are they downloading the apps, uh, subscribing to Apple Music? You know, all the things that Apple does that people just literally can't live without. Um, versus Amazon, where that's more consumer discretionary. You know, I can, it's hard not to shop on Amazon. But as we just saw with Walmart, Walmart said two very kind of interesting things. One, it's been an inventory challenge for, for Walmart, Target, and also Amazon. Amazon has also noted they have too many employees, too much inventory. Um, but the, the other notable thing that Walmart said, and a, and a lot of the media really kind of blew over it and you know, a lot of people blame management for their inventory problem. But what Walmart said that was more important is they said that foot traffic was a lot slower in stores because consumers are having to make decisions over purchasing stuff inside of Walmart versus paying for food and gas. So it'll be interesting to see if people are starting to slow consumption on the discretionary side for Amazon. Now, interestingly enough, you know, while it seems like Amazon dominates the world, and, you know, if I if I ask you a question and uh, Mike, let me ask you a question and you, I, you're going to know the answer to this. Well, I, actually, let me ask Brent here because Brent may be a better guy to ask who is. And, and actually, Brent knows the answer to this one. But if you just as an average person. Right. And I said, what's the largest retailer in the world? What would you probably say? I would probably say Walmart, even if I hadn't looked at the graphic yeah, yeah. that I gave you yesterday. Yeah. But that does not surprise me. Yeah. 
but you know, but you think about it though. I mean, all people talk about it is like all I, every every day. You know, my wife has twelve packages arriving from Amazon. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know? you know, my dogs are best friends with the Amazon delivery driver. Right. It's just well, I I comparison shop between Amazon and Walmart. Yeah. Depending upon what's available and the best price. Yeah, my wife doesn't. Yeah. She she's just. She's I'm so Am- sorry. She's she's an Amazon girl. <laughs> Plus, there's the entertainment. And it's, an, and it's an Amazon world. Yeah. And yeah. there's the entertainment value at Walmart. <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning, particularly, yes. 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 Um, but yeah, so you know, if, if you kind of think about this, Walmart is twice the size of Amazon, which is really kind of amazing if you think about it. Um, but you know, these are going to be two very important reports about the consumer today. And it'll be interesting to see how the market responds to that. But also today we got Pfizer, Honeywell just reported better than expected earnings. We got Mastercard, Visa had better than expected earnings um, two days ago. Uh, Visa said basically consumer spending remains very strong. Not surprisingly though, because people are having to resort to credit cards. It's kind of a, a conundrum because, again, retailer uh, you know individuals are having to make choices about where they spend money. But they also have run out of savings, and so now they're having to spend on a credit card. So Visa is saying, hey, our credit card transactions are great. Yeah, because people are having to go more into debt to make ends meet. Um, you know, but again, outside of that, also energy companies reporting today, Valero Energy and oil companies are expected to post record profits again, not surprising, with near $100 barrel oil. So again, this is all kind of play feeding into you know this market dynamic that Mike and I were talking about, is trying to flesh through what areas of the market to invest in, versus what are these earnings saying about the real strength or weakness of the economy? Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, the one sector that's been doing poorly on earnings is retail. Bed Bath & Beyond, I think, is uh, either last night or this morning, and their stock is trading down. We saw Walmart trade down, what, 8 9%, not even on earnings, just on an announcement that they are working through very high inventory levels, (laughs) discussions about foot traffic, and that they're having markdowns. Mm-hmm. Markdowns are disinflation. So there's another disinflationary signal for you. But other than retail, it seems like the market has been very forgiving. You know, again, Google and Microsoft are the two big examples. So, like you well, said, I, Lance, I, would, I, think- I, would, I would even say that this morning, you know, um, you're right. The market is being very forgiving. Uh, Facebook, Meta, whatever you want to call it these days. Um, they had just absolutely atrocious earnings, and the stock's only right. going to trade down about six bucks this morning. It's you know, you know, if if they had had, you know, these types of earnings in the first quarter, the stock would be down twenty twenty five percent. Right, right. Their revenue declined for the first time yeah. ever. I mean, this is a growth company. You don't want to see revenues declining. Well, it was a growth Although, company. It's now a dead uh, yeah. company. Right. And it's also got a PE that's not so growthy anymore. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> growthy. It's, it's a new term. It's a, it's a new, new term. Word. Growthy. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a new Bushism for, for Michael E. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I agree with you, Lance. I think Amazon and Apple will be important. And I, you know what? It's not necessarily the market reaction. It's what are they really saying? Yeah, that that I think will be important, especially Amazon, because Amazon sells everything to everyone. Right. Uh, but going back to that Walmart versus Amazon, that's global. That's not that's not just mm-hmm. in the United States. And when I first, I, you know, this was a chart that that Lance and I both shared on Twitter. It's stunning how much bigger Walmart is than Amazon, and Amazon bigger than its next, you know, competition. 
And I don't think Target was even in that top 10. No, it wasn't. And it's just amazing. And, you know, what was it, one of the that surprised me was in the top 10 was Kroger's, which is a domestic. That's right. only a U.S. company. And it's amazing right. how much, you know, how many groceries they sell, um, you know, domestically. And I guess this really goes to, uh, you know, portfolio strategy as <laughs> we talk. Grocery and strategy. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So cut them uh, off, Brent. Uh, exactly. Uh, look, it's that time of the morning. It's uh, five minutes till the end of the show, so we can crash it now. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I mean, this is this is this is going to be kind of the real, you know, conundrum for investors. And again, you know, kind of joking about portfolio strategy, but this is going to be the problem: is you know, managing the portfolio through here. I mean, you can make a very good case why equities will should continue to weaken over the course of this year and into next year particularly as the economy does slow down more um but you know from a portfolio management standpoint what we have to determine is when has all the bad news been priced in and there's some early kind of evidence that after we saw stocks getting blasted by 20 25 percent you know netflix in the first quarter down 20 percent after the announced earnings amazon was hit sharply in the first quarter they were down like 15 20 percent over the course of a couple of days after they reported earnings you know has all that bad news you know virtually been priced in for a slowing consumer and now we're starting to see these companies again as you said report earnings that aren't as bad as expected and that is kind of normally where stocks kind of start to find their footing and that may that's that seems contrarian to this whole idea of you know, if you look at the media like we're talking about recession and ongoing interest rates and all these type of things but stocks tend to price in those issues before they actually bottom and the market tends to lead you know kind of the overall economic environment by 6 to 9 months so you know is the market starting to tell us that they've already priced in you know the worst of the news and you know it's hard to imagine with stocks only down 17% from their peak that all the bad news has been priced in but again, a lot of stocks are down a whole lot more. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, this all comes down to inflation. The quicker inflation can get back down towards 2%, the quicker the Fed can go back to being the Fed that we all know and love. The yeah. Fed put becomes <laughs> alive again, right? The Fed can't do what we what what stock investors love about the Fed if inflation is at five, six, or even nine, 10% like it is now. But if you get inflation all the way back down, the Fed can be the market's friend again. Uh, but there is no indication, there, there are indications and it does appear that they're peaking, but, but right now inflation is still high, maybe peaking. The question is how quickly will it come off and how quickly will the Fed get comfortable that it will get back down to their target. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably the most important thing we can follow. All right. On that note, we will uh, wrap it up for the day. Three minutes on markets and money coming out here in just a minute. So we'll have the technical update for the markets and where we're trading this morning. Also, uh, get by the website. Our newsletter will be out this weekend. So make sure you're subscribed for that. Simply just click on the newsletter banner right there on the homepage. Uh, You can subscribe. We have banners kind of all over the place. Subscribe. There's actually a link on the front page right there at realinvestmentadvice.com just below the latest newsletter banner that just put your email address in. We'll email you the newsletter as soon as it's produced. We've got a new bull bear report coming out this weekend. So a market-centric, investing-centric newsletter. We've got to change the focus of our newsletter to be more specific to portfolio and investing. That's coming out, the first edition of that coming out this weekend. So make sure you're registered on the newsletter list for that. 
daily market commentary, and of course, check out SimpleVisor, which is our full digital research platform, all at the website. It's amazing how much stuff is at realinvestmentadvice.com. You'll find it all there. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. It's a rich man's world.